0: Channel 10.
1: <laughs> we used to be like CNN, channel 10 and we used to think that people would catch on. No, but like, if you're not from queen it's it's if you, you don't got time warning on whatever, Like, well, I got do it, yo. CNN. Yo, hold up, man. Some different again. channels, son. Roll up, on, man. what up, watch the channel, son. Different plane now, man. So good. What up, all good, baby, in every hood, every son. What up, your CN Network Channel 10 is on again. Street niggas is grown man. Full face, gather your face. Stay in place, yo, crown lace. Cast more beef, discard face. CN Network Channel 10 is on again. Street niggas is grown man. Woe face, your face. Stay in place, yo, crime
2: lace. The almighty ARR took in the building, and I'm alongside
3: Singar Superior
2: and today we have a very very special episode with uh two dope producers we have kuro silence and we have peace Soul on the line say what's up to the people so good people. Guys. everything is everything is everything um now we first heard about you guys um from the uh samurai shin comic book soundtrack Um, So we just wanted to start off and ask, you know, how that came about and how you guys linked up to be a part of that project. Uh, Carol, Uh, you can go first.
0: The way I got into it was I was going through, listening to a couple of old tracks that I had done. And I was just thinking that I would like to work on a couple of shows. So I went on Facebook and I searched up a couple of different places and saw a couple of different startup comic books and different shows that were going on. And I was thinking about doing a soundtrack for him, so I hit up a couple of them, and none of them got to got back to me except for Samurai Shen. And ever since they got right back to me, it was just instant chemistry. I mean, it just clicked. We worked, we worked well together, and it's been like that since.
2: That's what's up. Mm-hmm. And you, Soul?
0: Um,
4: well, sure. I, he hit me up on uh, I think he actually sent me. A, yeah, I don't remember if it was an email first or if it was a DM. But I remember I got a message, he was like, Yo, uh, I'm working on this comic book soundtrack, really like your beats. I wanna know if you wanna be a part of it. So I'm like, for me, I ain't never done like it's comic book sound I've never really done a soundtrack period. But um I'm like you know, I'm a fan of it, you know what I'm saying? I like to like to watch like some anime and stuff like that. I'm always hit to like boondocks and stuff of that nature where it's got hip hop soundtracks. And so I've always been a fan of that. And so I'm like, you know what, this this would be a dope idea. And so we kind of went back and forth, and he ended up picking a couple beats that he wanted to use for the soundtrack. And I was like, yo, this would be a really dope, like, sound for what you're working with. And he sent me some samples of uh, the comics that he had, and I was like, yo, this, this is actually super cold. Like, I definitely want to rock with this movement. So it's um, just been, like, a lot of communication back and forth. It's just been building. So.
2: That's what's up. And um, it's kind of interesting. uh, Kiro, you were talking about, um, you know, you were looking for, um, you know, different shows to be a part of and I guess do the soundtrack for. um, And that led to something that we were curious about uh, earlier, about just um, being a a producer online and, like, the types of things that you kind of do to get your music out there a bit more. Um, So I was wondering, like... um, You know, what led you to that strategy of actually seeking that out? Because that's something that, you know, a lot of people probably wouldn't think of.
0: Well, honestly, it comes from just based on the fact that I'm not just a producer, I'm an artist. Mm -hmm. So I have to spread my work no matter what, you know, when somebody comes up to you and says, you know, oh, hey, listen to my mixtape, they're not going going to automatically want to listen to it because they're going to have automatic assumptions in their heads. Mm -hmm. So you have to go out and you have to be active if you actually want to succeed. You know, you can't just be sedentary in this type of work field. You can't just sit back and be like, oh, I'm making a rap. Oh, I'm I'm writing a song. Oh, I'm making this beat. And expect the fans to come to you. You know, you have to be a part of the community. And that's something Mm -hmm. I learned very, very early on being with different groups and different collectives and that and things of that nature. So I learned that, you know, you can't just sit back and let it come to you. You have to go out and you have to actually actively find that. And that just increased my drive for it. And that really got me thinking. And because I'm an artist, I was thinking creatively. So, you know, it just works. As long as you're paying attention to what you want to do and you know what you want to do in your head, You'll figure out some sort
2: of plan for yourself. Mm. Mm-hmm. And peace. Uh, yeah, I was just going to ask because you have like a huge catalog of um of work online, and um you sell beats online too, right, Peace Soul? Yeah, yeah, yeah. So yes. I
4: mean, my my story is like it's similar, but in a way, it's like a little bit different. So like with me, I, it's not even like I've been you know producing for a crazy long time or anything like that i mean i've always been hip to music but i, I was an artist first kind of similar to what he was saying um so i also started out i started more doing poetry and spoken word and stuff like that and i always kind of i would try to avoid the rap thing because it's like what he was saying about the stigma of like rappers and being like oh i'm a mixtape guy like, yo check my mixtapes so <laughs> i was just kind of doing my own little thing and then uh I got when I got to like my junior year of high school, I took this class on like production and I fell in love with it. And I took two it was two different years that I took it. It was like a one semester type of thing. But um by the second year, it was like we had started using logic or whatever. And the first day of class I went home, I begged my mom, I was like, Yo, I wanna get this software and so she just she got it for me. And since then, it was, like, consistent. Like, I I think it was, like, about a week or two into that class, I already had a beat that I made that I put up on my SoundCloud. And then I started doing that for for a little bit. And then my homie told me about uh, YouTube. He was like, yo, you should really start putting your beats on there. Like, that's a good way to make money. And I put that idea off for a while. And it was, like, a few months later. I was like, you know what? Let me try this YouTube thing. Put a beat up and it had like thirty k hits like within a week and I'm like yo, I might have to do this for real. <laughs> uh-huh. So it just kind I just got, I just got lucky I guess like it's just luck of the draw. I don't know people gravitated towards it and mm. from there it's just been like this, this is what I want to do. Like the production part is
0: definitely where I'm where I'm at right now. Mm. But I'm yeah, that's the other big t- that's the other big part. You you really have to have good timing in the industry too. If you're timing if you're mm-hmm. if you're not planning, if you're not if you don't have good timing, you're not going anywhere. Yeah, I mean, luckily for me, I was still catching on to the like
4: to the last little bit of a wave because right now, I mean, the YouTube production game it's been kind of up and down. Like, cause I remember like way back when when dudes like Candice Major were like running the YouTube production game. I used to write to his beats, yeah. you know what I mean? Oh, and right. then now a lot of a lot of like the OG like. Beat leaser guys—they're not even around on YouTube as much as they were before, and it's just like I don't know—it's up and down because it went through a dip for a while, and now you got dudes like Cash Money AP and dudes like Cass yeah. Taylor who are making that popular again. So yeah, and it's the just, its similarity. always up and down.
0: Mm. Well, I mean, the thing about it is, it, it went to a more commercialized area. You look at like the creators, yeah. you look at classics beats—you know—they're they're brands now. It's not just. You know, it's not just you're that one dude making the beat. You know, you're you're a whole corporation now, and you have to think about mm-hmm. you have to think about yourself as an artist like that. Because if you're not thinking in terms of a business, you're not going to make money if that's what you're trying to do. And you can't be in it to make money because the money's not always going to be there.
4: Uh-huh. Exactly, it's, it's always hit or miss. Mm. just like just like every just like any other business it's peaks in this valley sometimes you pop in sometimes you go through the slow phase of like three months and ain't nobody buying beats so mm. you know but as mm. long as you as long as you keep hustling that's always been my thing
0: keep it about the sometimes easy, the money will come. sometimes it's flat lines and the mountains
3: uh-huh. <laughs> <laughs> i mean yeah you know that, that's something that's something that's interesting too because um you know like I didn't know I guess it was as institutionalized as it is now um, you know like having like these OGs and like people who were like who were there from the beginning and stuff like that and then like what you just said Kuro um you know certain people developing their own brands through YouTube production which is like uh, mad dope but uh you know like uh st- sticking on production uh piece. soul like uh, what's your setup looking like i know you use like an npc and like an asr 10 um but like looking at your yeah. videos like you you got like quite a bit of shit going on like uh, uh what else do you have what's your equipment looking like well um so
4: let's see i got i got the xl mpc the uh 2000 xl i got an asr 10 in my closet i got a Moog blazer i got a juno 6 uh tons of records all over the place um, and then as far as like sample source like you know records all over all over the studio I got a cassette player I'll sample from that every once in a while I got a VCR in the closet that I have to, I just gotta hook it up um, I'm about to get a 404 SP404 nice ideally I want a MPC 3000 and a 1200 I want to scroll around with those a little bit I mean i'm all around and then like equipment wise like i got like a drum set in the other room i got bass that i'm starting to learn now too so i'm always trying to expand man trying
3: mm-hmm. to teach
4: myself everything like, i I, quit. I did go to college for like music and stuff like that but after a few i mean i was there for i think a good year and a year and like a semester but since the beginning i was like it's, it's not for me like I went there, and I was like, the, the way that they were trying to teach and, like, just everything about it just didn't feel right. I was like, you know what? I'd rather just do everything myself and teach myself. So I ended up dropping out, buying some instruments, teaching myself, and I've been on the roll since. So, <clears throat> you
3: know. And can you speak, like, a little bit about your effort to to tune your beast to 432 uh, hertz
4: now? Oh, yeah. So um, I was...
3: I've I've heard about this theory about the um, 432 hertz thing. I I don't
4: remember exactly where it, I heard it from before, but um, I just know it's been around, and I've seen little things pop up here and there. But I was on YouTube one day, and I was listening to some Della B tapes, and there was one that he had. I thought the project was called Vintage. That's what my understanding was. But then everything that it was labeled at was like um, – a equals four hundred and thirty-two hertz, and I was like, "Wait, is this the actual name of the project?" Like, so I was looking into it a little bit more, and that's pretty much what the whole project is. Like, all the beats on that project are tuned to four hundred thirty-two hertz. So I was like, "You know what? Let me actually look into this and see what the what the big deal is about it." So I was looking into it, and it was saying about how like four hundred thirty-two hertz is like the frequency of the universe, and there's some theory about um like after World War Two, they started the Miller. Mil- militarized you know what I'm trying to say like they tried to,
5: yeah.
4: to change how people listen to music and they tuned it like 8 hertz higher and to 440 just by yeah to 440 and just by doing that it made everything just it's a slight difference but it affects so much about, like, what you're actually listening to, and then, uh, I haven't gotten too deep into it yet, I just kind of briefly skimmed it, but I heard, uh, I read something about, um, it said something about how when you're tuned to, like, 440 hertz, there's something that you hear called, like, the devil's interval, or something like that, that you don't hear when you're at 432, and I'm just like, yo, this is deep, (laughs) like, it ran (laughs) deep, so
2: that's the tritone,
4: yeah, it's like one of them tritones, and so I'm like still kind of looking into it a little bit. Um, I haven't figured out how to do it just as yet on the XL. I know on the three thousand you should be able to, but you don't really tune by uh, by hertz. In the XL, you you go by like little centitones, sem- mm-hmm. and so it's hard to get just the right number. Um, but I know in Logic I can do it, and I'm I'm trying to do it on like all the beats that I'm not using any sort of um audio coming in because you can't tune the audio to it but you can tune like the sample instruments Mm -hmm. and so um yeah that's what that's what i'm about to start doing trying to do something different which reminds me i have like two beats that i just put out recently that i have to go back into now
3: (laughs) Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. but it's all good Mm -hmm. and um oh my, my bad That's all good. Oh, um, yeah, and and, and Kuro, like, um, I I was looking through, like, your Instagram and stuff like that, and I see that you use FO Studio, but what what was interesting to me is that you also record through FO Studio, correct? Uh, Kind of. Kind of? I I use it to mix. Okay. Oh, wow. Damn, yeah, so how... How's that process? Because um, you know, Artic were talking uh, talking about like just recording through FL Studio and how he was trying to like uh, get that set up the other day and um, how complicated it can be at times. Like, I, like I've never done that, so like, what's that process like?
0: Well, I use I use a couple of different things to record.
3: Okay.
5: Mm-hmm.
0: I never had. I'm I'm very young, so I never I started very young, mm-hmm. and I never really had you know disposable income of any type. And I wasn't really the type of kid where I asked my parents for stuff like that. So, me, I had to make what I had work. So, I had an old mic that my dad used from when he was making music. And I used that, and I hooked that into my old iPhone. And I record through my iPhone and transfer it over into FL.
5: Hmm.
0: And then I mix it in FL. And I use different programs to master. Right now, I'm busted down to... uh, a computer that I'm running Linux on. So I can only run FL 10 and I'm not really able to go, you know, really crazy with it. But what I lack in equipment, I still have in capability. You know, I have to Uh get intuitive with my process because I don't have a whole lot. So it just means that I have to find different workarounds and different things that help me and help me manage to expand. I mean, I'm aware that, you know, you can't just stick with one set and that's not my plan. But for the moment, I have this one set and I'm going to make it work as well as I can get it to
2: work. I mean, that's dope because like when you look at um, um, I remember and this is going to sound like like way far off. But I remember being in like English class and we're talking about poetry and you're talking about like sonnets versus free verse. And like the mm-hmm. sonnets sticks you to a specific format that you have to to, um, you know, you know abide by Whereas free verse you can just do anything you have all the options available to you and actually you know it seems like the sonnet isn't necessarily creative because you're so limited but that constraint just makes you so much more creative just trying to fit what you want to do into that so um it tells you, know. you
4: exactly what rules you want to break <laughs> right <laughs> yeah
2: that's dope and um um I'll oh, go ahead
4: I was gonna say I could I could relate to that whole like situation of uh, like having not exactly the right gear that you want, having to make it work mm-hmm. for the longest time. I think up until this past like year and a half, I mean, i I was finessing my gear too. Like I haven't even upgraded to Logic X yet. Like I have it now but like before i mean i was using logic x or logic 9 and i was making beats off for of like the musical typing like i didn't even have any keyboard yet mm-hmm. so a lot of the old beats that i have i was using the keyboard on my actual computer i didn't even have no monitors yet i had my earbuds and that and i had right. no desk so i was like sitting on my bed hurting my back trying to make the beats or like whatever <laughs> so you know, it's, it's, it's been a long little journey, so it's nice now that I'm like, I can at least have more flexibility to be like, okay, this is the idea I have, let's make it happen. You know, no, I'm not where I want to be yet, but
0: I'm, I'm close. I'm closer than I was oh, yeah. before, so. You got to keep, you always got to keep moving forward. I mean, I feel the same way you did, you do with, um, with my whole chop situation and my bass lines. My bass lines, I play them in through the virtual keyboard. Like, I type everything. And as far as my chops, I can't really play my chops out on a um, PC because I don't have one. So what I do is right. I chop the song at certain specific places, and I uh, arrange them whatever way I want.
3: Yeah, yeah, you, yeah. Because I use like I the actual audio the files and arrange the them.
4: What'd you say? So you like, so you like chop the like, actual audio files up and then just mm-hmm. move them around that way. Uh huh. Yeah, oh, yeah. I, yeah, I I've seen that. people do that too.
3: Yeah, like how yeah, because I noticed like how how your sample is uh, is like tracked out all the way through with these different parts, which is mad interesting. Yeah, it, it, it's
0: a very long process, and it makes it a lot it, it makes it a lot more difficult because you have to actually like listen to the certain specific points in the song mm-hmm. rather than just taking a, a piece of the song and chopping it up that way. Yeah, you, you got to know what you're going to chop before that, you chop
3: so. it. Mm, right. So like so um because I mean you have a lot of projects out, so like how long does it does it normally take you Kuro, to like finish an entire instrumental project uh,
0: inst- instrumental projects aren't exactly the hardest because
5: uh-huh.
0: I've got I've got honestly close to a thousand tracks as far as instrumentals go, and that is just a matter of you know what do I want the sound to sound like hmm so. All all of my projects are very much they follow a very specific concept, and so I look for the different songs that I have. I try and get different moods, and I try and evoke different feelings, and try and craft kind of like a soundtrack to life. Mm-hmm. So like Ab thought with that project, with that project, everything was kind of about you know you're in like this kind of relationship limbo where you and your partner are on and off and it's kind of like you know you want you want to get back to them but the feeling is not right so you have to just accept the fact that it's over Mm -hmm. and and can you see it it was kind of like those those same people getting together all of my projects really follow a certain concept and if you pay attention to the different titles and pay attention to the way i format it you'll actually Begin to understand where I'm going with it. It's a lot like uh, Flying Lotus. If you pay attention to his last couple of projects, mm-hmm. his his what was it? I can't remember the name of the project right now. But you, his you were dead? Project, uh not his not his most recent one. The one three projects ago. Like was it oh.
3: Death or whatever was one it was called? It was a long time ago. Seems like yeah.
0: <laughs> and if you notice, that one's the first one. The second one was uh, until the quiet comes, that was waiting until you're dead.
5: Mm-hmm.
0: You know, so that was waiting for death and then your dead is accepting the fact that you're dead. Mm-hmm. Uh, so if you look at that I just, he, I just got that like, yeah he really he's actually he's actually a really big inspiration for me on that because he I, I remember a quote he has and he went to film school but ended up getting into music and so he tried to take that film approach to his music. And that inspired me to do the exact same thing with all of my projects. So if you'll notice with his, it's you're kind of in a bad state. You're not really in a good mindset. And then you have Until the Quiet Comes, where you're just you're in this kind of like limbo and you're waiting for death and you're waiting to die and you're kind of deteriorating. And then you're dead is the acceptance of death. Hmm. So that's how I, I try and approach all of my projects because without that artistry, you don't really have art anymore. You know, you're just making something for the sake of making it. Right. And not for the sake of continuing the art form and expanding it. And I think that's that's a really big problem that we have now. People want to just make stuff without even understanding why they're making it.
3: Mm. And you know, there's gotta
0: like, be a reason for it.
4: Mm -hmm. It makes makes so much sense that you say he went to film school now because that explains why all his beats, like, the visuals behind them, are all so, like, so creative and so out of the box now. I was always like, yo, his whole image is so far left field than anything else. So I'm like, it's got to be something, like, why is that, you know? But that that makes sense now because he has that different approach that not everybody has not just like oh i'm gonna try to be creative as a musician it's like nah i'm gonna try to be creative as like a director you know. exactly from mm. another perspective so
2: that's now, i was i was thinking too um you know you know going off of what you were saying Coro, about the art um, and then what p so was saying about the whole thing with the with the youtube leasing um, does the business aspect of it do you guys feel or you know having to focus on that does it take away from from the artistry of what you guys are trying to do sometimes
0: never mm-hmm. never does. Uh, it, 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 depending on who you are and depending on what you're doing it can mm-hmm. but as long as you stay true to what you're trying to do it won't some people I like. Guess, I guess for
4: me it depends on like, like what do you mean by that? Though? Are you saying like it'll it affect how I approach making the beats or like, or if it can get kind of complicated in the process of getting records done?
2: I mean, I guess so on both aspects because you know, um, you know when you're trying to you know create a commercial product, you know a lot of times you know you might be churning things out at a rapid pace and maybe you're making it just for that without like an artistic thought behind it and then also too you know um um with with people like leasing the beats over and over again for you know maybe like a cheaper price does that lessen like the value of the music as well um when it when it comes to actually making things and putting things out and trying to have like you know something behind it
0: well, that, that's the beautiful thing about leases. Leases don't really, they don't really take away from your value because mm-hmm. you still own it. That's the thing. And a lot of people don't really understand the business behind it. Mm-hmm. And music is so, it, it's so readily available right now that a lot of people have actually missed that the, there's a whole system in place that people just don't understand. Some people think when once you've sold an exclusive right to a beat means that that artist owns the beat. And that's only half true, you know, they have ownership of it as far as creative control. Like you can't just you as the uh, producer can't just go ahead and, you know, decide, oh, I want to change this here. I have to make this change. You have to give that back to me. No, you can't do that. But you still have rights to it in the fact that you produce that. That's still your product. Mm -hmm. And a lot of people miss that. But as far as your point as the business side taking over the artistic side, with that I would use the comparison of people like Drake versus people like Kendrick Lamar. Mm. If you look at Drake, he's very 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 commercial. You know, everything is very much to please the people. It's a very pleasing sound. It's easy to listen to. You know, you can go through his projects and not really have to pay too much attention and I have to put too much thought into it to actually feel it. But if you look at Kendrick Lamar, you know, he puts a lot more thought into it. He doesn't really care too, too much about the commercial side, so it doesn't really affect his art that much. You know, he still says what he wants to say. He still does what he wants to do as an artist.
2: Mm, that's I could
4: what's up. Say, I, could, I could go that too, because, like, I mean, I guess it, it can get it can get tricky because I'm kind of at that point in my career where I'm, I'm making a transition into, like, Uh, I'm really making, like, a heavy transition to the business side because, like, I've got a a couple, like, major placement situations going on. So now I'm really seeing how the industry works in, like, full force. And so politics can really ruin, like, can really ruin a song, believe it or not. Like, um, exactly about how you were saying, like, things for the sake of, okay, well, they want, they want this. Okay, for example, let's say this let say that a TV company hits you up, and they're like, yo, uh, I want to take, like, 10 beats from you, put them on TV spots or whatever it is. In your mind, you get this dilemma because it's like, okay, well, do I try to make this the most creative, like, innovative, whatever it is, and put my heart and soul into this thing for this TV placement, or oh, yeah, do I make just it make the people play it to hear Exactly, or just make it be twenty minutes because that industry is so weird. Is because like, it, it really doesn't matter. It doesn't have to be crazy creative. It could be some simple little jingle, and you can make like you know bands. Like you can make a couple grand off of a catchy little tune, you know. Because I have uh, one of the teachers at the the school that I went to. That's what he did for a living. He made jingles, and that's he made he makes good money just doing jingles. And he said it could be like. Five, ten, twenty-minute little songs, or like, or twenty-minute little beats that take, you know, like a couple seconds even, like even like a thirty-second ad
0: spot. You can right. make pain. So well, I mean, that that's that, Not to interrupt you, but I mean, if you pay attention, that's what music has done. You know, you look at the '80s; it was very much they were trying to build something. They were trying to build right. up hip hop. You know, you look at the '70s and '80s; it was all about building hip hop as far as a community's perspective was it was the black community's thing and then in the 90s it, it kind of took a shift because the major industry was starting to realize that you know hip hop's not just a fad it's it's going to stay this is a new genre we actually have to pay attention to this and you look at the 2000s and you you have the realization of commercial uh, the fact that this can be commercialized and now if you look at it hip hop's the culture you know, hip hop is not just a genre of music; it's actually a culture, and it's taken the entire world by storm. You know, everybody wants to get in on it. You know, Asian people, Indian people, you know, all types of different people want to get in on it, and that's the that's the beautiful thing about it. But that's also kind of the downside because if you look at it now, you have people like Twenty One Savage, Famous Dex, you know, Lil Uzi Vert, Lil Yachty, and you look at what Lil Yachty just did with Cardi Ray Jepsen. They just did. They just redid it. Uh, Takes two, <laughs> you know. The, the famous hit. They just redid I just, that. I haven't seen that. Uh, oh, no, I think I, I, I haven't. I haven't seen it, but I heard about it. But I mean, yeah. you know, the point is that it—that's what hip hop has turned into. It's turned into a commercial thing. You know, right now you only have someone up there to tell you what you want to hear, <clears throat> and to say, "Oh hey, yeah, I'm rich. Carly I Reed. got money. I got this. I got that." Hey, so Carly just the girl that made that Friday song. Uh, no, that was Rebecca she, Black. Yeah, she, she did, uh... Oh, hey,
3: um, Who's, who's called me again? Call, uh, call
0: Me did. Maybe. That's what it was. Yeah, uh,
3: yeah, yeah. She did. Yeah, call Me Maybe. Yeah.
0: Now, oh, okay. I
3: um, gotcha.
0: But it, it's basically the same thing, you know? Hip-hop's turned into your 32nd ad spot. It's a commercial now.
3: Mm. So, um... It, it seems as if, like, you, uh, you were, like, pretty affected by, like, the death of Lord Scooter because you are you are you, uh you're from Baltimore, right? Yeah. Uh, you said certain things about like like the like the DMV and why the DMV um, hasn't got its kind of like shine. So, what do you think about the DMV like, just in general? Um, I guess before uh, the death of, of Scooter and then um, and then after his death, and, and I guess the, the era in which the DMV is in now.
0: Well, I mean, as far as that goes, if you if you, eh, you have to you have to be from where I'm from to kind of understand
3: it. But we. Uh, we uh, have, where, where are you from?
0: I'm from I'm from Baltimore.
3: Yeah, city. we we're from Baltimore. Oh, okay, so you <laughs> so you understand you understand how it works. A yeah, lot yeah. of people
0: in Baltimore don't really like to claim the DMV. So the whole Laura scooter th- thing, it was just really, I don't know, it was weird because the the DMV wants to claim him, mm. but also the city's like, no, you can't. So it's kind of a weird thing. But um, as far as that goes, if you're talking about what um, I put up on Instagram, that was because I had seen that you know a lot of artists from here were really dying so you know that kind of like put me in a position where I was like you know wow you know I had to sit I had to sit back because in a in a couple of months in a couple of years you know whatever and in some time I'm going to be you know I'm going to be these dudes you know I'm going to be somebody that's actually out there I'm going to be a recognizable face and name so you know that's going to put a target on my back and and I'm going to feel like you know I can't make it in the place that I was born in, you know, I can't make it with my family. That's you know, that's kind of weird. But as far as it goes, I think the DMV is it's interesting because artists from here don't really don't really expand. Mm. Like they they get down with each other, you know, if they you know, everybody everybody's everybody's cousin is a saying I, I akin it to. Because it's basically that way, you know. You always have somebody who's like, "Oh yeah, I know this Lord Lord so and so," you know, or whoever. You know, I have a cousin who knows a ton of Baltimore rappers, mm. and he even knew Scooter. So it, it, it's kind of like that, you know. Everybody's got a cousin who knows somebody. And as far as the D.M.V. goes, it's you have a lot. You have a lot of local artists, but you don't have a lot of national or global artists. And Scooter was kinda he was kinda one of them, but at the same time, he he got way, way, way bigger after he died. And that's kinda what you see with every artist, you know. After yeah. you die, that makes whatever you're whatever you're creating, that just increases the value like tenfold. Because you can never create anything else anymore. So that just increases the value of your art because now
4: Like if now. Catalog. It so it's a period at the end of, at the end of the sentence.
0: Right. It's a um, it's a limited. It's a limited factor. That's what I was trying to think of. Mm-hmm. So now you can't just. It, it's kind of like the difference between gasoline, and produce. Produce is easy. You can get it anywhere. It's cheap. You could even make it yourself. Gasoline, you have to go to the distributor to get it. You know, you can't just pull up gasoline from an oil well randomly and that's just cool or whatever. No, you have to go directly to the people that have it. So, it's kind of like that. You know, while you're alive you're more a farmer but after you die you turn into an oil baron. Mm
2: -hmm.
0: If that Mm -hmm. makes any sense.
2: Yeah, it makes sense. The only thing is after you die you can't (laughs) do anything with it. (laughs) um, You
0: you can't but I mean it's still your estate.
2: Right, so, I mean, right, whoever
0: right. whoever you put in charge of that gets it. Right, and that's really good if you've got a good system behind you. But I mean, if you look at Prince's case, you know, look at how many people came up to claim his stuff. You know,
2: right, right,
0: yeah. So I mean, it, it, it's a double edged sword. Right,
2: mm-hmm. and um, you know, I was curious, um, P. So you're from um from Minnesota, right?
4: Yeah.
2: Okay, and uh, you said um uh, before that you didn't want to be. Um, Pigeonhole, you know, as a rapper, so you kind of did the poetry thing, and I was just curious to know, like, what's the scene like, or what's the feeling like out there, because um, you know, I know, like, you have the Sage Francis's and the Atmosphere and like the poetry type of thing out there. So, was that an influence on you um, out there?
4: Uh, I mean, <clears throat> not as much. Like, I really don't listen to Atmosphere. Uh, mm-hmm. The dudes that are from here that I listen to are more like the up-and-coming guys like there's a there's a dude named juice lord i and then my guy colleen the dream like they're mad talented they're you know just graduated high school uh-huh. and so like i see the potential in these cats and so that's where i like focus my attention to and we have a lot of bigger artists out here that are making ways like we got oh uh, you know bobby rats we got finding over we got uh dj tip who's like going crazy right now um and bobby raps just said uh he's got writing credits on the weekend's album too so i mean there's definitely a scene out here but they're doing more like the commercial or they're doing more like the trap stuff and so it's like it's cool i can i can rock with it but it's just not really my vibe i just kind of do my own thing i don't go out i stay in the studio all day and just i be by myself most of the time i got the homies that come through i got like my four or five real close people and that's that's who i build and create with. you know Mm -hmm. i'm
5: I'm
4: all about i'm all about having super high positive energy so i got to be real careful who i give that to so i always just got to surround myself with like-minded creative individuals so Mm.
2: (laughs) what are some of the uh I guess for both of you, like you know, when you get down into a session, like like what are the things that you have to have around you, or like is there like a particular type of thing that you do or ritual to get into that vibe? With
0: with me, it, 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 it's it's really weird because I have I have both sides because I, I do rap and I do um, I produce a, I produce and I produce first. And with that, it wasn't really anything as far as the ritual goes. You know, I just I just created what I wanted to create. But when I started rapping, I got into that because I was in a group and we needed more rappers. So for me, it was kind of fun at first. And then it started to get a little bit more serious. And I was like, you know what? I'm already serious about my producing career. Why don't I get into rap a little bit more deeply? But... Around that time, I was already I was already getting older, so I had more and more income readily available. So, I think the ritual for me, as far as rap would go, was we would always go to the store. We we would always get something, uh. but the main thing we would stay with is uh, Mountain Dew. <laughs> <laughs> but I mean, we did that. We you know we got we got the dew, and we went back to the studio and we just got to work. And mm-hmm. we'd stand there for hours sometimes sometimes days mm-hmm. just create, you know bouncing ideas off of each other and everything like that so I mean I'm glad i got i I'm glad I got to come up with all my homes and everything because it was always you know we were always cool, so it wasn't really a group mentality where it was like you know I gotta get mine over this person so I gotta make sure this person doesn't do this you know everybody was fine with working with each other like even now. I got homies that's doing work with, um, you know, people like Triple X, Tentacion. Well, I mean, he's in prison now, but I mean, uh-huh. you know, I got homies that's working with them. I got homies that's trying to get work with, you know, a whole bunch of different, like actual, you know, actual labels and everything. And I have different people everywhere, so it's really interesting, you know. I have, a, um, and even to the point where I have the online community, so that just gave me access to so many more people, you know? I'm, I'm friends with people in Japan, I'm friends with people in L.A., friends with people in Chicago, I mean, these people have different platforms, they have different art forms, they have different styles, and they have different sounds and everything, so I get to see all those different aspects and how they line up with each other, and even how they differentiate, so, I mean, it just, it had it gives me a wider perspective than I would have without
2: it. Mm. That's dope. And what about you, Piso? Uh,
4: what's the question again? About like the vibe, like what I need to get started? Right, right. Oh, uh, I mean, I'm all about a vibe, man. Like that's why my studio and you you say you've been on my periscope, so you already know about my light situation. <laughs>
5: that's
4: always major, major key. I gotta have the lighting on point. Um, I gotta have I got to just set a, set a vibe before I even work. I don't just walk in and just be like, all right, I'm going to make a beat. Like, I got to go. I got to put on... I either put on some Dilla. I put on some, like, some Mad just Some real creative stuff. Or if I'm in a certain mood, like, lately, I have been listened to a lot of, like, Tame Impala and Mind Time. Mm-hmm. Um, and so I throw on some stuff like that just to get the juices flowing. And I just vibe for a little bit. And then... uh Sometimes I just sometimes I just put on a record, not even a sample, but just to listen to, um, and just get my get my mental right. And so that's that's major for me. I don't really need any kind of you know food or anything to alter my creative mind. It's just like nah, I just just give me some good life with some good vibes that we, we get to work at. So mm, that's where I draw my so. energy, out. or I just have my homies around like a lot sometimes. I just be like, yo, like, pull up. I'm I'm in the studio. I'm working or whatever it is. Like just, just come kick it for a couple hours. And they don't even have to say anything. Like, they could just be sitting on the couch in the studio chilling on their phone even. But, like, just the fact that they're there, I can, like, draw a certain type of energy. It's weird. I almost feel like a superhero. <laughs> I'm like, yo, let me just put you in the studio. I'm going to draw all your energy out. Like, it's, mm-hmm. it's really like that, man. Like, if certain people give me certain types of vibes, like um, if I'm trying to be on some weird next-level out-of-the-box creative stuff, I'll call one homie. If I'm trying to be on some mellow stuff, I'll call another homie up. So it's, it's all different. Each person has their different um, vibe
2: mm. right so. that. That's an interesting perspective. I didn't... Um Necessarily think about that, but yeah, you do draw different vibes from the people that are around you, and whatever you're doing, that's definitely going to make an influence, you know, based off of the person and then your relationship with the person.
4: Mm, some people be killing vibes, too. That's what I tell you. I tell anybody that comes to my crib. I, I also have like a very strict policy on who I let into. It's not just cause it's my studio. I mean, it's my mom's crib, so huh. I gotta be respectful of that. But in either case, I'm just like, yo, if you come to the studio, don't bring nobody I don't know. Don't bring no extra friends. Like I I, I have to have a certain type of vibe in here, and it's like, in order, if, if if you want if you want to bring somebody new that I don't know, like I have to either meet them, like, beforehand or whatever, or you better be real, real sure that it's not going to be somebody that I'm going to have to kick out. Because if somebody's here and their vibe isn't on the same wave as what I'm on, I pick up on that so fast. Like, I've had people come through that I've been like, yo, you know, we should we should link. And then they get here. And then and it's like, nah. immediately, immediately, I just know that I'm like, yo, this is this not going to work. and I have to kick people out because I'm, I'm sensitive <laughs> to
2: that kind of stuff, you know? <laughs> yeah, yeah, I'm you know, an artist. I'm sensitive like, about you my shit. Though, I got, I got <laughs> that right, that's real. That's your light. space.
4: So, but yeah, it's, it's cool though. It's cool. That's just mm-hmm. what I need. I just need good positive energy around me all the time. That's mm-hmm. yeah, I don't smoke, I don't drink, so I don't want nobody bringing that into my environment either. That's another mm-hmm. thing.
0: Yeah, I don't really need I don't really need any substances to alter, you know what I'm thinking of how I'm feeling. You know I, I, I know people, who say oh I can't I can't write a rap or I can't freestyle or I can't do this I can't do that unless I'm high unless I'm drunk unless I'm this I'm, unless I'm that. Yeah, the way I
4: see it, if you can't, and so I mean you know, that, that's cool for them. Sober. Bro. I'm like if you can't create properly sober, then. It's not really you that's creating. You know what I'm saying? Mm. Mm. <laughs> you got. You
0: got to. Honestly, that's how that's place. how I feel. Even in general. Huh? That, that's how. That's how I feel. Even in general, like, you know, me and Kuro are two different people. So you know, mm. me as a person, I have my own thoughts. I I have my own feelings. But when I get in my creative zone, I'm a whole different person.
2: Mm. Where'd you get that name from?
0: Uh, that comes back to my love of anime. I actually, um, I love anime so much that I wanted to understand, you know, Japanese culture a bit more. And even before anime, I actually had a had an appreciation for Japanese culture in general. So, I studied the Japanese language, and I, as as I went along, I always came back to the same word, kuro. It means black.
5: Mm. So I
0: thought it, I thought it was kind of interesting. I came up with the name before i actually became an artist so i mean I, I i had the name for like a good year or so before i before i even became an artist and i just thought you know i was a kid back then so i was like oh yeah cruel silence that sounds kind of cool or it sounds catchy or whatever and when i really put thought into it i was like you know i i can actually draw a whole lot of actual inspiration from it you know <laughs> black silence you know that could be death that could be solitude that could be you know. You just thinking, you know, it it, it's, it means a whole lot. And still it means nothing at the same time.
2: Hmm. That's pretty interesting.
4: That's on my list of places to go.
2: Yeah, that'd be prank? a good yeah 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 that'd be a dope market for both of you especially you know um you know piggybacking off of um you know projects like the Samurai Shin comic and everything are you guys working on the uh, second soundtrack? I, yeah. I submitted everything for it. Okay.
0: <laughs> All my work is already there. If they call me back, I'm gonna get more for them. But I mean,
3: now um have you guys ever ever like talked before?
4: Nah,
3: I don't. I
2: don't.
4: Think, I don't think. I don't think we've ever like talked on the phone or anything like that.
0: Hmm. Nah, it, it, every, everybody on the project actually just works through. Everybody works through the representatives of Samurai Shen, so it's not like we have contact with each other. It's just you know everybody puts their work into it, and what kind out of just comes out. But I mean, yeah. now that you mentioned it, I think that actually would kind of help with the creative process. You know, we get to know each other and we get to understand each other better we probably work a whole lot better hmm, that's yeah,
4: I, typically, I typically don't like doing projects if i'm not like 150 percent invested into you know what's actually going on so it's like the way that this project is coming together is real weird for me too because i'm usually like yo all right like i'm gonna just lock in for a few months and we just go go back and forth every day just give all these crazy ideas and all that stuff but I don't know. It just, it just kind of happened, and we were rolling with it, and everything seemed smooth, and so, I mean, that's just, that's just how the communication's been. But I think um, I've also had other situations similar to this, too, and I think at some point it's going to come around full circle, and when uh-huh. that happens, then it'll all make sense. Like, I had a dude I worked with, he was in L.A., and, like, we had – we had did a couple records together, and you know we had talked every once in a while on Twitter. And just kind of just some like random little conversations. One time I was in LA, and I thought, like, you know what? Let me pull up on you real quick. And so went down, got in the studio session with him. Like we were in a session for like six hours, and just got crazy work done. And from there, like me and him have been super tight. Like we talk almost every day now. So. It's just a matter of actually getting in the same room with people, especially because, you know, everybody lives in a different place uh-huh. and t- in a different country. So it's like it, it's kind of tough to be all on one accord in that sense, you know, but yeah. it'll work out. It'll work out.
2: Yeah, it's kind of funny because, you know, um, after we set this interview up, we realized, oh, you know, they probably don't know each other. (laughs) So I'm glad, you know, everything worked out, you know, pretty dope, (laughs) man. Well, I mean, it's all about just, it's all
0: about working with real artists, you know? Mm -hmm. If you're not working with somebody who respects the art form, they're probably not going to respect you as an artist and not even themselves. Right. Right. So I mean I know, you kinda I have we to got, be aware of that.
4: I know we got similar interests and stuff like that. We're all we're all like like minded creative individuals, so it wouldn't be too far fetched to say that we we would still get along with fireless. It's not like I like it's not like I'm trying to be all Hollywood being like, All right, well, I only got this time, If you ain't asking me questions about this, don't ask me that. You know what I'm saying? I ain't <laughs> like that. I like, you
0: know, hey. about five, So that's what tripped me out because I had actually seen work that you did, Peaceful, uh, before I even hopped on to Samurai Jin. So when he told, when Michael told me we were here, it was, I was like, wow, you know, you got somebody that I actually recognize from the whole community and everything. I was like, wow, that's, you know, that's interesting. I thought, you know, you being as big as you were, I was, I figured it was going to be a thing where it was like, you know. You weren't really gonna to want to mess with an artist like me because man, I'm, I'm at, just I'm just a regular person, bro. That's I feel the same way. People nah, but like,
4: oh, man, but your piece SO Oh, you got all these numbers and all these all these video views. And I'm like, look, man, it's just a number. Like it doesn't, it's not gonna change how I act as a person. Like if I vibe with you, I vibe with you. Like, you know what I'm saying? I'm not I'm not here to here to be all all about politicking with people and trying to act like I'm holier than now. Like it's the same when I go and I meet, meet these people that I've looked up to. Like just the other like just uh last what two summers ago, uh I went to a festival. I was kicking it
0: with Ralph Sweatshirt and I was like, yo, like he's just a normal dude <laughs> you know what mm-hmm. I mean? like Yeah, that's that's what I had to learn about the whole industry, you know. I It was weird because I came up like right at the point where SoundCloud was about to lose its popularity, but it was really booming when I came into it. So you know, I got to work. I got to work with a whole bunch of people that I used to look up to when I started. So I I thought that it was going to be a thing where it was going to be like, oh yeah, you know, I'm so and so, I'm this and I'm that. And I mean, sometimes you do get that, but a lot of the times it's it's like Peso said, you know, they're regular people. They're they're cool, you know. And once you get to see that, it, it, you recognize that it's not it's not really as much as people pump it up to be.
4: See, the thing that's weird about the music industry though is like it's 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 kind of hard to get into it. But once you get into it, you realize literally everybody knows everybody. It is not as big as you think it is. Like oh, that's true. Two people you would think are on the complete opposite end of the spectrum, like. Young Thug and, like, Stevie Wonder, they probably, like, best friends,
0: you know what I'm saying? <laughs> right. So, <laughs> like, like, I mean, it, it was crazy for me because, like, especially last year and this year, I came I came up a whole lot and I met a whole lot of people. And now, you know, I'm, I'm one step away from, you know, big artists like Isaiah Rashad or Kendrick Lamar. I've even had casual, ca- casual conversations with, you know, Punch, the president of the Top Dog Entertainment, and uh, top dog himself. So I mean, you know, this it's all a matter of just you have to you have to get past the fact that there's a famous aspect to it. Yep, and that's what catches
4: people up most of the time. Cause right, mm-hmm. I'm, you know, I'm, I'm going to this. Uh, I'm going to Dallas in a couple of days here for like a real, real big situation. And, like, part of the reason I haven't really told anybody about it is because even, like, my real close homies that I tell that are, like, they've they've seen my progress. Like, they know the moves that I make. Even when I tell them, like, they bug out. And I'm like, yo, if y'all are bugging out about it, I don't even want to know what the people outside that have nothing to even do with what I'm doing are going to be on. So it's just like right. you got to – I don't know. I
0: don't know where I was going with that, but – no <laughs> you have to be aware of it No, I, I, I get you I get you yeah for me'm I'm, I'm just starting to see a little bit of success so for me I still do bug out when like something big happens because I'm like you know wow and I have to come back down I have to collect myself I have to remember you know this is nothing you know it's it's not really hard to get where you're at if you're in there uh-huh. And
4: it's not. It's not to say that there's anything wrong with being excited, but you just and have to. realize, You just have to. I guess you just. You have to be aware of how you're approaching it, because if mm-hmm. you have an opportunity and you come to them as a fan first, that can kill your whole shot right there.
0: Uh-huh. You know. Yeah. Because then they're like, gonna know that you're not. You're not well versed in your area. It's
4: just like you ain't never been around no family shoes before. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? Right. You know you don't have I any experience it. with it. I think I seen something like that on Schoolboy Q That he was he was saying something about uh, like if you come to the studio, act like you've been around some famous people before. We gonna clown you because you acting weird. <laughs> you know what I mean? Right. <laughs> it's like there's always got to be that balance to It's like you have to know how to balance coming at them as a fan, coming at them as a business person, and then coming at them as a human. So if you can find that happy medium between
0: all three of those things, then you're golden. Yeah, I had to. I had to have kinda of moment with myself like that when I went to go uh see Anderson Pack. Cause he did a concert last last June or July, I can't remember what it was. But I had actually released a project that same day. So, you know, I kinda I kinda was like, you know what, hold up, let me go ahead and take this to him. So I did that and I gave him the project. But I kinda c I think I kinda came off as kinda like a fan. And yep. it wasn't until I looked back at it where I was like, Oh crap. I really messed that up. Yeah. I, had, you know, I, was, just, I was just... Yeah. I was and just excited I, to see it, dude. I was like, you know, you know you're know, you really coming up. You're really doing a whole lot. And it was right. kind of like a congratulatory thing, but it kind of came off as, as kind of being a fan. And I feel like, because this
4: summer, um, this past summer, I went to Soundset. And I don't know if you know about the Soundset Festival lineup this past, you know, summer... But oh my goodness, from top to bottom, I think that's honestly like the most incredible setup set list I've seen on a event period in a very long time. And so, um, I mean, I think it was like ASAP and uh, ASAP and Future headlines, but they had like everybody from the roots to SZA to um, it was Nick Jenkins there. Uh, yeah, to, uh, it was it was crazy. Like, what will you say that? And so, Nice Wonder and Merge um, nice was performing as well. And I had known somebody close to Nice, like one of his students. And, like, we and her had talked and trying to set something up because I know he was coming. So, I had a bunch of beats I threw on the thumb drive. And so he was doing, like, a meet and greet or whatever, and I was waiting the line, you know what I'm saying? I was I to him, I was like, yo, I'm um, a yeah. Greek fan, and I, knew, I know one of your people, and they said that you uh, were going to be expecting me. I got this, you know, well, I'm trying to give you some beef or whatever. And long story short, I met Nice and Murray, and I totally came off as a fan. <laughs> and I was like, dang, I shouldn't have
0: done that. But, <laughs> that sounds everyone. exactly like my whole situation right now. But I mean, yeah. I, I got something kind of similar coming up because Isaiah Rashad, he's coming to Soundstage in what is it, April, and um, I got tickets there. Is so. That a festival? Uh no, it's just he's he's on tour, so he's doing the show. Oh okay.
2: And he's coming to uh, so Soundstage. Okay, downtown.
0: Mhm. Yeah. And so I'm fairly certain he's going to do a meet and greet there, and so I hope that I don't come off as a fan to him there. Cause I'm actually, I'm actually kind of familiar with TDE and i actually, you know, I'm, I'm cool. I'm not cool with them personally, but I'm cool with, you know, people that they've worked with and I'm cool with artists that are related to them. So, you know, I, kind of, I kind of just want to complete the circle, you know, cause it's like when you, when your friends have friends, you want to meet them too. And you kind of want to make sure that you're all friends and so that, you know, you don't cross any lines and you don't, you know, mess up anything with your friends already.
4: If, if I can give you some some advice, bro, what I would do, honestly, if you're meeting somebody for the first time that you look up to, I mean, I'm starting to do this now, too, just because I have had a couple chances, and I screwed a couple chances up, but, like, if you're meeting somebody for the first time that you look, look up to, I wouldn't even bring up music at all, like, I wouldn't even talk to them about anything that I'm working on or nothing, like, you gotta come at them, like uh, like a unit, right? really. And I mean if y'all if y'all are vibing and it just happens to come up and they're like, yo, what you do? You know what I'm saying? Then that's different. But yeah, I, would, I would just I would just start a good conversation and just find something similar to talk about that's not what they're already talking about every single day.
0: Like yeah. if you talking I, about anime I, I noticed that with the Anderson thing.
4: Yeah, it's just like if you if you bring up anime and they're like, Yo, I love anime, like what's your favorite card, like your favorite thing? You know, and then you go from there, then it's, then it's cool. It's a vibe. They'll remember that. So they got right. so many people to talking to about music every day that you're just going to
0: blend in the crowd of another person that talk about music. You know? Yeah, and that was something that I realized at the end of the impact, thing because it was like, I thought that I was going to be, you know, I thought I was going to be the only artist there that was giving them a project. So it was like, you know, yeah, I released a project. And yeah. I'm, doing all right. I'm doing this, I'm doing that. And it was literally a dude right behind me in line who was doing the same exact thing. I don't uh-huh. think he released a project that day. But I mean, he was doing this. He had the same exact plan as me. And that's when I realized, I was like, hmm, maybe I shouldn't have done this. Yeah,
4: it happens, man. You people probably get hundreds of Things every day, and that's just physical. You don't
0: even want to know how many, how many DMs and tweets, right. and all of that. Oh no, because I've I've had I've had homies that have actually blown up, and they told me about it. It was like it was really crazy, because it was like you know, there one day they was just a regular dude. You know, they would get regular DMs and everything, and they get signed to a label, or they get this, or they get that, or whatever, and then it just all of a sudden. I mean, Messages off out, out, out of nowhere. Man.
4: Yeah, man, it'd be like that, man? It's, it's really crazy out here. People are hungry for opportunities, but not everybody knows how to go about it the right way. That's yeah, I mean,
0: I've even I've even lost friends over it, you know. Mm. I had dudes that like got really, really to an international level. It was just like they cut off communication because they just couldn't handle talking to everybody like that. Mm-hmm. I, and I mean, I I, I, had, I had no intention you hurt, to... But I,
4: could, I had no... Oh, do it. No, I was saying, I would hate to be that person, but I could see why sometimes it would be necessary. For oh, no, definitely. Like me, I, I had the same numbers since, like, sixth grade, and so something happens overnight or whatever, and I say tomorrow morning, I wake up with
0: a $10 million record deal. You think my phone mm. ain't gonna be ringing off the hook?
5: Oh, it definitely <laughs> is.
0: And with me, it was like, I wanted to I wanted to hit him up just to help the dude expand, you know. I wasn't even tripping off of, you know, the fact that it was like, oh, now you're international cuz I already had homies who were doing well. So, him, I was just hitting him up to be like, "Hey, yo, you need to get on this. You need to get on this. You need to get on this. You know, you need to put your you need to put your stuff here. You need to get this together so, you know, when actual venues came at him or whatever, he actually had everything set up. But he just never got back to me. Mm. and you know I still I I put in some work for him because it was a a site I can't remember what it's called but basically it lets you set up yourself so that when live venues come and come to check reviews and everything of you out you would actually have work up there so I added him as an artist on there and I told him about it, he never got back to me so I just set his whole page up for him and I just left it at at that Mm. 'Cause I'd already done the same thing for myself and I already knew how it was. So it was just like, you know, even if he's not gonna get back to me, he's still a homie. You know, he's still cool. He's if if he hits me back up, I'm still cool with him. That's still my bro. So I'm still gonna go ahead and I'm still gonna go hard. I'm still gonna do that work for him.
2: Yeah, goes he it goes back to having positive energy, like, you know, you know, never be bitter. Just say, Oh, you know, I had a part in that and that's dope and you know, keep it moving and doing your own thing. Right. All right, so, so I mean, um, it, oh, oh, go, ahead. go ahead.
0: Oh, And I mean, if you do, if you do what you need to do, and you get to where they they got, you know, you're you're definitely going to see them again. Mm-hmm. You know, you're yes. definitely going to have another opportunity to talk to them. So it's not even like anything that you need to trip off of. Yeah.
2: So um, I guess uh, in closing, you guys dropped a lot of game right there. So <laughs> um, you know, any up and coming artists out there, you know. This is how you deal with people uh, when you see them out. Um, but I guess in closing, um, what do you guys have up next? Like, what's the next project on the horizon that you guys are uh, working on? Um, and when can we, you know, look for that? And where can we reach you? Uh,
4: well, I have two projects out now. I got one called Black Tape. Uh, one called Something About Love. I dropped recently, and that's all, Both on my Bandcamp and also my SoundCloud. I think I might even have both of them on YouTube as well. I know I got at least one on YouTube. Um, and then as far as music goes, I don't know if I'm doing another project right this second. But once I get back from this trip, I'm going to have a real, real big announcement that I'm probably going to make on all my social media outlets about some
2: the music. So,
4: um, yeah, just that. And you want me to play social media too? Can- right,
2: right. Where can I follow you?
4: uh at underscore poetic dots that's my twitter um expressive mind, X P R E S S I V E mind. on instagram i'm likely going to be changing that soon anyway to streamline everything but bandcamp i think it's Bandcamp.com. dot slash pso if you just look up pso you'll find me' like i'm not too hard to find so that's
0: my that's my spiel
2: okay and you coro
0: uh, it's pretty much the same. Just look up Kuro Silence. You know, uh, as far as projects go, I stay working. So I mean, I've got. I think I got like maybe fifteen plus projects out. So I mean, you just honestly Google Kuro Silence, K U R O, and Silence, and you'll find everything for me. I got artist pages everywhere. I got different music pages everywhere. So I mean, it's not. It's like Peaceful said. It's not really hard to find me if you know my name.
2: Right. Yeah, that's what's up, man. Well, thank you guys both for um, you know you know coming and doing this interview it was definitely um, you know an experience where I learned a lot. Yeah. You know, just on the production level to the artist level to actually you know how to meet and greet in the social level. Um, and it's good that you guys got to you know get together and actually talk. So it's like <laughs> mad cool experience, man.
4: Yeah, yeah. I'm I'm actually about to follow. Uh, let me see. How am I gonna get a hold of how get a hold of you too? on? Uh, I don't know if I follow
0: you on um, Twitter or anything. Right, we are we at? Ch- just go, go through Google. You y'all, you're Channel Ten, right? Yeah.
2: Right, right right. Yeah. 10 right, right. Channel Ten Podcast. Right. Right. Channel Ten podcast.com. Right. dot com, Curl silence. We got Peace Soul. It's me, the Almighty AR. It's our tick everywhere. Send God Superior. SendGuardSuperior.com. And um, we're going to make some things happen. And with that, we out. Peace. Peace. feeling is here. Yeah, son. You
1: feel it, man. Roll it up, son. You got to just do it, CNN. yo. man. Yo, roll it up, man. Some different again. channels, son. Roll it up. Hold on, man. Roll it up. Watch the channel, son. Different plane now, man so all good What up, all good, baby In every hood, son What up, yo? CNN Network Channel 10 It's on again Street niggas, it's grown men Boldface, gather your face. Stay in place Yo, crime lace Cast more beef than Scarface CNN Network Channel 10 It's on again Street niggas, it's grown men Boldface, gather your face. Stay in place Yo, crime lace catch more beef